the Lord has us right now uh, dead smack in the middle of revival, dead smack in the middle of revival. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I appreciate everyone the Lord is allowing us to minister to, allowing us to serve. Uh, it is a tremendous blessing. Uh, we're serving them because God has provided us the opportunity to serve them. Uh, many members that are coming, many guests that are coming, many people that we're ministering to, it is a divine appointment. It is a divine appointment, let me say that. Uh, it wasn't, they weren't invited by anybody particular. Uh, they may have heard our broadcast over the radio, over the internet, or uh, may have seen a, a streamer, picked up a card somewhere, and, and they're making their way to the house of God, and we, we, we appreciate that. But then there's a personal responsibility we have also uh, when it comes to revival. So I'm, I'm going down this road here, and I'm sharing this in Tennessee. I'll share the, just a portion of this with you all here tonight. But I'm going down this road, and I preached a message uh, last week called The Birth of Revival, dealing with the birth of Christ. Uh, then we're going to be teaching tonight on the mind of revival. Uh, going further from there, we're dealing with the heart of revival. Uh, then we're dealing with the life of revival. So each one of those have a... Okay, I'm good for hours, he tells me. Amen. Now, y'all heard him say that, hours. I did not make that statement. He said that. All right. So we're going to go into a topic tonight dealing with, dealing with the mind of revival. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, I ask that you would stand with me and turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading at verse 5. A very familiar text, but we want to begin to search this out and begin to communicate uh, this subject. subject tonight. is By no means we will exhaust this subject, especially dealing with the mind, but we certainly want to tap into it. Um, beginning at verse 8. Say amen when you have it. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, I hear a page turning. Amen. Uh, verse 5 through verse 8. Verse 5 through verse 8. Is that Alexis uh, Ponder? I see back there. Raise your hand, sis. Is that her? All right. Amen. Amen. You are in need. Somebody wants to sit with you. Could you raise your hand and let her see where you are? Go ahead, Alyssa. She left you, Bishop. That's only for a little while. <laughs> she started to cry. She said, I wish my mommy was here tonight. I wish your mommy was here tonight, too, sweetheart. Amen. So, Sister Alexis and them, they got connection there. So, we want to make sure she's relaxed. She's relaxed, and I can be relaxed. Amen. As long as my baby taking care of that, me and I'm taking care of. Amen. Uh, so Philippians chapter 2, verse uh, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and made him and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. You may be seated uh, in the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant. Thank you for the hour that you've given us to share tonight. We ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. There is an urgent need for, for men and women uh, to dedicate themselves to the important task of becoming specialists in soul winning. Specialists in soul winning. I had a video that I wanted to share tonight uh, from a resource center that I use to just kind of communicate the message. Uh, and this message was a, is a message about our cooperation uh, in God's plan. Everybody say our cooperation in God's plan. 
having said that, it's important for us to, to note several things about, about this topic dealing with the mind of revival. Is that as I cooperate in God's plan, then that simply means several things. But one of the things that it means is that I'm setting myself in a focus or with a focus in a direction so that I can be used for the purpose of God. Everybody follow me. So I'm setting myself in a focus in a direction so that I can be used for the purpose and for the plan of God. So revival doesn't have a location. Revival doesn't have a state. Revival doesn't have a city. Revival doesn't have a country. Revival has a, everybody say, a mind. A mind. And we'll deal with that here shortly. A mind. So this lesson that we're going to share tonight was written for uh, believers, uh, for believers to perfect their personal witnesses so that they can present the plan of salvation in a clear and simple way to the lost so that the lost can understand it. To achieve simplicity in presenting the gospel, number one, it says here, it takes much thought. It takes much thought. There are several uh, indicators and example precedents set in the scripture where there was thought given into the action that was about to be taken or thought given into uh, the next step that was about to be made. Also, number two, much effort is put in forth uh, into this. I don't know how you, how you view your walk with God when it comes to being uh, impactful in the field of evangelism, but I, I want you to know that if you're thinking about it and if you're putting forth effort, you will reap the dividends of the seeds that you have sown. How many believe that to be true? If you're thinking about it and if you're putting forth effort into it, you will reap the dividends of the seeds that you have sown, okay? Uh, the Bible tells us that a sower went forth to sow, and this is really interesting, especially for you all that are that are soul winners. It's a parable Jesus taught in, I think it's Mark 5, uh, Matthew 8, or, or 16, somewhere along in there. And he said this. He says, a sower went forth to sow. And he said, some seed fell. He said, and one, one application was by the wayside. Wayside depicting a person that did not understand. Then he says, some seed fell on the stony ground. Stony ground depicts a person that got excited about what they heard, but did not, it did not have deepness. So in other words, they did not apply much of the word in their life. So when temptation or persecution arise, the Bible says they, they fell away. Now, how many know that sometimes, I'm not sometimes, but all the times, if you're going to live this thing, you got to put roots into this thing. Amen. you got to dig deep, as, as, as the old folks, which I am now in that category, would say, you've got to dig deep if you're going to make this thing happen. You know, it's not just happenstance. You're not going to accidentally go to heaven. You're going in heaven on purpose. Come on, somebody. If you're going to live successful to God, you, you're living successful for God on purpose. It's, it's, it's not an accident. It's not an accident. Uh, can, can I go further? If you're going to have a good marriage, you're going to have a good marriage on purpose. It's not an accident. If you're going to be a good husband, come on, men. You're going to be a good husband on purpose. It's not an accident. You're going to be a good wife. You're going to be a good wife on purpose. It's, it's not an accident because there, there's some things you've got to just invest in in order to reap the dividends out of. There's some things you've got to invest in to reap, to reap the dividends out of. So uh, evangelism and, and, and revival, is, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not an accident. It's not an accident. But if you're, you're putting much thought into it, if you're putting much effort into it, you're going to reap the dividends of it. Then he said this. He says, some seed fell on the thorny ground. And he says, in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And Mark says this. Mark says other things. It choked the word of God out where it became unprofitable. Now, I'm going to throw something your way for you all that are soul winners that are taking notes out there. I'm looking at you soul winners that are taking notes, okay? 
and I appreciate that because I know that you're going to apply this down the road and you're going to see the fruit of your life in doing this, okay? It's important for you to understand as you're ministering or teaching individuals that are designed to grow in their faith, individuals that are designed to come uh, into relationship with Jesus Christ, individuals that are designed to, to make a yes decision for the Lord, to turn away from sin in the world, as you're teaching them, it's important for you to understand that, that some seed will fall by the wayside. Some seed will fall by the wayside. Now, that wayside does not depict that they don't, they're not interested. That wayside does not depict that, that you're not serving a purpose, but that wayside depicts that they did not receive, everybody say, the understanding. The understanding. Now, this is important because a lot of us that are, are, are soul winners that are home Bible study teachers, it's important because we just think that because we're teaching a lesson that everything that we're putting out in that lesson is being absorbed and applied in our lives without any question being asked. Well, in the military, they had this thing that, you know, when I was in uh, the Army for a while, we used to have this thing that, that was referred to as you, you inspect, you know, what you expect. I, I don't know if Air Force had that. I know Army did. <laughs> but you inspect what you expect. And what, what that simply means is this here, is that I'm going to ask those, those inquiring questions to ensure that the seed I sowed is being understood. I'm going to ask those inquiring questions to ensure that the seed I sowed is being understood. So, so we're asked those questions. But then he said this. He says, some seed fell also by the, on the stony ground. Now, this is important because a lot of us just like to, to get together, have fellowship, and, and a lot of us whole, soul, soul winners, home Bible study teachers, like to get together and, and congregate. But, but we fail to realize that when we sow that seed out there, that that seed begins to produce a fruit in their lives. Conviction begins to set in on the heart of the person that we're ministering to. A direction begins to set in on the heart of the person that we're ministering to. And, and as that takes place, notice this here, the word of God begins to produce change in their lives. Okay? So it's, it's important for us to, to understand this, that when the word of God begins to produce change in life, maybe you've experienced it yourself, that the word of God produced change in your life. And, and some of the friends that you used to have, you don't have no more. Some of the places that you used to go, you don't go anymore. Follow me now. Some of the things and ways you used to talk, you don't talk anymore. Why? Because the word of God produced change in my life. Okay? And as that change began to take place in my life, some of those friendships that I had, I valued. Some, 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 of, that, some of those in the community that, that we shared times with, I still value. But because the word produced change in my life, they don't look at me the way they used to look at me before. We don't talk about the same things that we used to talk about before. Why? Because the word of God produced change in my life. So guess what? That makes it difficult for them to stay the way they were or to interact in that community in which God had just saved them out of. But if we're not careful, if we're not praying for them, if we're not encouraging, the Bible says that they will, everybody say, fall away. But then the scripture tells us as Jesus laid something out here. In reference to the thorns, he says something very particular, and I like the fact that, that the way the Word of God uh, states this. It says that the thorns came and it choked the Word. Okay? It didn't say that they didn't understand. It didn't say that they, they fell off. Okay? In this parable, dealing with the thorns, he said that, that that thorns choked the Word. So in other words, something was trying to bring forth in a life. The Word of God was trying to break forth through that service to bring forth fruit in the lives, but then something choked the Word. I, I, I don't know if you ever play chokes with anybody. You know, somebody made you so mad, you're like, if I can get next to you right now, I promise you I will choke the life out of you. 
I'm just saying because that's what, you know, a lot of people say. I don't necessarily say that. I've never said that to anybody, I promise you. I promise you, I've never said those words before, but people say those words, you know. And, and, and what they mean is that they want to restrict your ability to resuscitate yourself. They want to restrict your ability to breathe in, to, be, to breathe out. They want to restrict your ability to show forth life. And that's what that thorns do, does. The thorns choke the word of God to where it cannot bring forth, everybody say, life. Okay? Now, now life is something that is intentional regarding the word of God. The Bible says these words are spiritual and they are they are life. So God's word is intentional. It is, it, is, it is life. So God's word desires to bring forth life in us. Watch this. In every aspect of our life. But first of all, we've got to learn that when that word of God is being challenged, when things of this world or deceitfulness of riches, and the scripture says other things are challenging my resolve to the word of God, I've got to ask myself this one question. Where is the root of this challenge? What is provoking me so much to, that I'm being challenged now to comprehend what God has said to bring forth in my life? What he said in his word that's going to come forth in my life? Why am I being challenged now? Why am I being challenged now? Why is my church attendance being challenged now? Why is my worship being challenged now? Why are my convictions of prayer being challenged now? Why is my conviction to, to, to be a good husband being challenged now? Why, why are your convictions to be a good wife being challenged now? Why are your convictions to be a good parent being challenged now? Why are your convictions to be a good employee being challenged now, right? You have to ask yourself that question. And when, you, when, when, when everything is said and done, you have to look at the origin of it, and you have to ask yourself this thing, why is it happening now? Why are my challenges, why are my challenges uh, being as much as they are now? Well, because we have, we have an enemy. So uh, have, having said that, having said that, if we are able to calculate, if this was a, a, uh, 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 something that we can do, and I believe that we can through the understanding of Scripture, uh, if we are able to calculate uh, the miles that the Lord journeyed between villages, cities, mountains, regions, and uh, from seashore to seashore, we found out that on each occasion he journeyed there and he had you and I in mind. How many believe that? Every village he went into, he had you and I in mind. Every time he crossed the sea, he had you and I in mind. Every time he went through the valley, valleys, regions, or the Jericho, any one area, he had you and I in mind. Nothing in Scripture is placed in there accidentally. Nothing in Scripture is placed in there accidentally. The Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of, inspiration of God. That means this right here. Whether I'm able to pick up on it now by revelation, read it and comprehend it, okay, or not understand it at all, it was given to us by, it was given to us by God. At some point in your walk with God, there are some things that are going to become more clear to you than at others. Okay, y'all need scripture for that? Let me give you scripture for that. The Bible tells us that after the resurrection of Jesus, he was seeing uh, of his apostles and, and others, the Bible says after, uh, uh, after his passing, by many fallible proofs, being seen in them, the scripture says 40 days. Y'all with me? Being seen in them 40 days. And the Bible says this, he spoke to them concerning himself. He spoke to them, okay? That word there, spoke or speak, okay, is translated there in Greek, okay, uh, implying this, that he began to reveal certain aspects of himself that he was not able to tell him prior to this resurrection. Who? Y'all missing it. Y'all missing it. That means this right here, that he spoke to them on levels or degrees of understanding that he was not able to speak to them 
prior to his resurrection. Go look it up in the Greek. It'll bless you. It will really bless you. That means this for us too. There are some things that God can speak to us at one season in our lives that we'll totally comprehend. But then there are some things that God will speak to us at another season in our life we struggle to pick up on. So this truth applies to us as well as, as well as the apostles. So he had, us, he had us in mind. In Mark chapter 5, when the Lord came out, of the, I came across the sea, and he, he ran there uh, to a man at the Gadarean tombs, that, that man that was demonic possessed, okay? He had us in mind. In Luke chapter 19, as the Lord journeyed through, through Jericho, when he ran upon Zacchaeus, and he looked up at Zacchaeus and says, come down from this tree. He had, he had us in mind, because sometimes we think that, that we, have, we have gone so far beyond the reach of God Sometimes we think that, or sometimes we do, society places such a, such a mindset upon us that we disqualify ourselves for salvation because we think, I'm not, I'm not good enough for it. I've, I've done too much wrong. I've, I've, I've done too many things that, that I'm ashamed of. We disqualify ourselves, and here it is. The Lord is standing under that, under that sycamore tree and telling us, come down from here because I want to abide in your house. How many of us can bear witness to that right there, that, that sometimes we have disqualified ourselves? Sometimes we place ourselves in such a condemnation that, Lord, I don't, I don't even know if you can reach me. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. John chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus went down to uh, Samaria uh, to, the, to the woman at the well, to a city called Sychar, to, to a woman that had exhausted her means to find salvation, exhausted her means to find what, it, what it's like to have a connection with God, exhausted her means to, to find any relativity to, to life. But then Jesus shows up down there and begins to minister to her. While his disciples are all gone away. Isn't that rather interesting? You know, the Bible tells us that he sent his disciples into the city to buy meat, okay? And pastors even expounded upon this. He said 12 men to buy meat for 13. You know what he's telling us there? That, that you have got to understand this as a home Bible study teacher and as a soul winner, that there's some conversations you can have with others that you can only, there's some conversations you can have with some people that you can't have with other people around. Oh, yes, it's, it's found in Scripture, John chapter 4. You can read it for yourself, okay? The, the disciples still had their little biasness, you know, uh, especially against women. And, and Jesus said, look here, I'm coming to reach everybody. I'm coming to reach a black man. I'm coming to reach a white man. I'm, oh, come on, somebody. I'm coming to reach a Hispanic. I'm coming to reach, I'm coming to reach everybody. So, so there's some conversations you as, as, as white brothers and sisters can only, can only have with other white brothers and sisters. And some, some conversations you can have only with African Americans when your white brothers and sisters aren't around. Because they want to understand the love and compassion that, that you exhibit, especially in this nation the way it is right now. Hello, somebody. We're in a battle. If you don't know you're in a battle, I'm telling you right now, you are in a battle. And we've got to exhibit the Christ-like character no matter where we are. No matter who we're around, why? Because revival does not have a location. Revival does not know a color. Revival does not know a country. But revival does have, everybody say, a mind. Mind. Can we believe God for anybody? Can we believe God to make that place, to make his, his abode in the life of somebody that we're reaching for? Can we believe God to, to stir the water, so to speak? Can we believe God to, to allow his word to enter into the hearts? Can we believe God for that? Can we believe God and can we find that place in prayer that regardless of a demonic stronghold, regardless of a cultural stronghold, regardless of a social stronghold, that God can break every chain, God can break every fetter, God can open up every tomb, God can roll away every stone, glory, glory somebody, to reach into and rescue somebody that's in that situation. Somebody say, I need rescue, Lord, I need rescuing. 
I need rescuing because I want to have the mind of revival, but, but God, some aspects of my mind have, have limited your function. Some aspects of my mind have limited God's function. Isn't that something there to even consider? But God wants to bring forth his power manifesting through our lives at all times and in all cases, but there's some functionality in our mind that have limited the power of God. I almost want to walk right now. I promise you I do. But I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to share this. I'm not going to move from this spot. Holy Ghost being my helper. Because what happens sometimes, you know, we have this element called the Holy Ghost, the Spirit called the Holy Ghost, the power of God, His presence in our life. Well, God will tap us, nudge us into a certain action, nudge us to drive down a certain street, nudge us to knock on a certain door, nudge us to speak to one specific person, but because of the functionality of our mind, we have limited the power of God. One of the first things that I, I've witnessed uh, as, a, as a believer, uh, and I shared this before, when I came back from Saudi Arabia, uh, it was a family, individual that I knew, uh, and I ran into uh, while shopping at the mall. And I believe in shopping at the malls. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I absolutely do. I love shoe stores. I love sporting goods stores. I love Annie's. I do. I really love Annie's, you know. I love the Chinese restaurants. Hey, man, I love the bourbon chicken. Y'all hungry yet? You know, <laughs> I, I, I love all of it. I love all of it because malls are like a wonderful place to have conversations. Don't you know that you could, you, you could have a bag in your hand and, you know, it could be empty, but you're just walking through the mall with a bag in your hand because, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to talk to somebody about something. If you have, everybody say, the mind of revival. If you have the mind of revival, some of these creative things are, are, are things that you look to do. Uh, let, let, let me say this. Let me say this. Let me go back to this. So I'm at a mall, and it's in Clarksville, Tennessee, and I ran up on this lady that I knew prior to going to uh, Saudi Arabia. Now, I, I went to Saudi Arabia unsaved. I came back Holy Ghost filled, on fire. I read the book of Acts, I don't know how many times, and I'm like, God can do anything. How many remember that, that experience? You came back, there's nothing God cannot do, you know, and that's your attitude and that's your mind. There's nothing God cannot do. So you come back with this, with this, with this, uh, with this attitude, with this posture. And so what happened, I ran into this lady at the mall, and I began to witness to her, share, share my faith. And she says, well, uh, I asked her, I said, would you be interested in the Bible study? She says, I would be interested. She said, but my boyfriend, uh, he, he probably wouldn't allow me to have it. Uh, they weren't staying together before I left, but when I came back, they were staying together. And I said, well, if I got a, if I got a Bible study with your boyfriend, uh, would, you, would you receive the Bible study? She said, yes. I said, hold on, I'll be right back, you know. Everything in me, Facebook to a level like it had never spoken before. I got in the car. I'm driving. I knew where they stayed at. They stayed right behind the church out there in Clarksville. And I'm praying every step, every mile of the way. So I arrive at the door. I pause there in the car, and I begin to pray. And I pray again. I say, God, you, you, I'm believing you. So the Lord dropped this in my spirit. Don't you know, and I'm going to share this with you. This will be a good entry. If anybody looking for a good way to start a conversation, here's a good way to start a conversation. Okay? Don't you know that there are two appointments that you're going to make in life, whether you're planning on making it or not? There are two of them. And this is what I, I knocked on the door and I said, hey, my name is Fazel. I'm from the Abundant Life Outreach Center. I'm just here to talk to, people about, talk to people about Jesus. And he says, we already go to church. We already made a commitment. I said, I'm good. That's good to hear that. I said, do you know that there are two appointments you're going to make in life, whether you're planning on it or not? And he says, no, I'm not, I'm not aware of that. I said, do you know that the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die? Hebrews 9, and then after that, the judgment. And he was like, I'm, 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 I'm not aware of that. I'm not aware of that. And I said, well, did you also know that Corinthians tells us that we must all give account of the things done on our body, whether bad or good? 
he, he was unaware of it. Just somebody that made a commitment to Christ, but he was unaware of these appointments. You know, it wasn't like your dentist appointment, you know, or anything like that. This is something you're going to keep whether you want to or not. You know, you follow me. And I said, would you like to know more about those appointments? So he invited me in. I began to talk to him more about those appointments and, and what it's like to be ready. I said, you know what? I would love to have a Bible study with you. Would you be interested in a Bible study? He said, yes. I said, how about Thursday? He said, yes. I said, well, I'll see you Thursday. I went right back, got in my car, drove right back out to the mall, told his girlfriend, we got a Bible study this coming Thursday. It happened exactly like that. It happened exactly like that, you know? Because revival has a, everybody say, a mind. So, so some of the things that we, or some of the ways that we desire to have, have an impact on people, if we're thinking about it, if, if, if we're putting forth the effort, uh, uh, the next thing that we've got to do, we've got to, everybody say, put it into practice. You know, when I was in, in high school, I, I will say this, and many of y'all that are athletic uh, could relate to this. Uh, many of y'all that are not ath athletic that watch it on television, y'all can relate to this. Uh, if you haven't seen it on television, maybe you heard it on the radio, but you can relate to this, okay? Uh, I was really athletic. I was, I was very good. I was very good in football. In fact, I played uh, in the state all-star game, uh, well, actually state uh, Ohio versus West Virginia all-star game, and this was in uh, 1982. And, you know, I thought I was the cream of the crop. You know, I was the catch meow. You know, I was the, I was the, the middle Oreo. You know, I, I had it going on. You know, I, I was, I was I, at least that's what I thought of myself. You know, I, I was pretty good. Basketball, I was kind of average, you know. But as I began to practice more at something that I wanted to be better at, I, I found myself becoming better at it. Isn't that a novelty right there? That, that the more practice I put forth, the better at it I became. To, to the point, to the point that when I left Germany, came back from Korea, left Korea, came to Fort Monmouth, uh, New Jersey, to the point that when I stepped on a basketball court, they had this saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm in all glory to God, you know, that's like 30 years ago, you know, so it doesn't mean anything today because I could barely make a layup today, right? But they, they had this cliche or a statement they would make, don't let him shoot, don't let him shoot, don't let him shoot. You know, I feel pretty good, you know, they, they're concerned about me shooting, you know, I, I, just, I just might make a basket, you know? And, and I watch this now. Because I had practiced so diligently, I had put so, more, so much effort and time into becoming better at that, at that skill, like making three-pointers or from anywhere in the court. I could, I could drain it from half, from half court, you know, on, on a good day, you know, with the wind blowing the right way. You know, I, I could possibly make that happen. But because of practice, because of practice, you know, it, it, it is very well possible, right, that as much as we think about it, as much effort as we put forth into it, but when we start practicing, when we start practicing the, the fundamental elements of becoming better at ministering in a home Bible study or ministering to the lost or sharing, sharing our faith, it, could it very well be possible that the more I practice, the better I will become? Is, is that possible? That the more I practice, the, let, let me say this, okay? If you are a person and you admire, let me tell you something. One of the things that I admired as, as, a, as a young believer, as a new convert, I admired the way my pastor prayed. How, how many can, can connect with that right there? You had a pastor, you had a praying pastor, you had a pastor that knew how to get in the presence of the Lord. And just like our pastor, like Pastor Urson, he worshiped and he just began to articulate scripture and proclaim the promise of the word of God like he wrote it himself. He had so much of the word of God memorized it, it was as if he wrote it himself. But, you know, it came about not because he just picked it up the day before. It came about because there were years and, and, and seasons and times where he had invested himself in prayer. Everybody say prayer is work. Prayer is work. You want to become better at prayer? Practice prayer. 
You want to become a stronger intercessor? Practice interceding. You want to become a person that's, that's better at binding up the enemy? Come on, spoiling his goods? Practice binding up the enemy and spoiling his goods. This is what I dare you to do, and I ask that everybody here write this down some sort of way. Here's what I ask you to do. Look at a condition in your community right now, whether it's drugs, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's uh, whatever it is, you know, look at a condition in your community and then begin to bind that strong man that exists in your community. Begin to bind that principality that exists in your community. Y'all looking at me, I don't see a lot of hands moving, but I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to do that because in the process of time, you're going to realize that some of those things are just going to be they've worked their way out of your community. They're not even going to be around anymore. Then you're going to be, be able to go in and everyone that was held captive by whatever vice, whatever disease, whatever, whatever condition, everyone that was held bound by that, you're going to find yourself in position where you're able to rescue them, deliver them from the culture, deliver them from the mindset, and then remove the grave clothes that they have wrapped themselves into if you would but practice. Because revival has a mindset. There's a determination that revival has that says, you know, God has called me to this. God has put his presence in my life, and no matter what comes my way, I will fulfill the will of God. Hello, somebody. I will fulfill the will of God. Thank you, Jesus. So we have to put it, put it into practice. Put it into practice. The Bible tells us that when Jesus journeyed through the, the coast of uh, Tyre and Sodom, that he, he began to inquire and encounter people uh, that were in need. And he was able to minister to them because he had us in mind. He demonstrated to us his power and his presence. Now, why should we witness? Why should we witness? There was a video up there. That I appreciate the PowerPoint slide the brother put together. He did a phenomenal job. But there was a video that should have been in that that, that we'll have uh, ready for you next time. Uh, but why should we witness? The need for God is real. Everybody say the need for God is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And the word of God tells us that those things who, uh, tells us that those who have not made a yes decision for Christ will spend eternity separated from him. Those who have not made a yes decision for Christ will spend eternity separated from him. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible tells me. And that's what the Bible tells you also. So why is there a need for witness? One of the videos that I had shown, uh, wanted to present to you today, it talks about 2 point something billion people that have never been witnessed to. People on your job, people at the gas station, people in your community, people in your schools, people in hospitals, people in nursing homes, people in prisons, people in halfway homes, people that just got out of prison, people that just got out of hospitals that have never once been witnessed to. 2.5, whatever it was, million, billion people that have never been witnessed to, never been witnessed to. 2.5 billion people that are standing on a bridge into eternity. 2.5, 2.9, billions of people. If you feel that like I feel that, just the brevity of that right there alone would speak to us right now. Just the brevity of that alone. One of the things that I realize, and I want to convey this, I don't want this to be a negative message, but I want this to be an empowering message. One of the things that I come to realize is sometimes when we make statements like that, 
without telling people how to be effective or make statements like that without realizing just how large the kingdom of God is? Let me tell you right now, the kingdom of God is larger than Tree of Life Church. The kingdom of God is larger than the United Pentecostal Church. The kingdom of God is larger than the United States of America. Hello, somebody. And there are people that are standing for truth and preaching this truth and reaching out for people all over the world. All over the world. But where God wants us to begin to interact with him, to allow ourselves to have, everybody say, the mind of revival, is not to discount the individual responsibility that we have. It's to not to discount the individual responsibility that we have. This is what I mean by that. Okay, there is an appointed place and time, the scripture tells us, okay, well, I'm going to imply this, where strategic steps are necessary. Everybody say strategic steps. Strategic steps are necessary. If you're writing it down, write strategic steps, and here's why. In Acts chapter 8, whether strategic, whether divine, whether divine providence, or just a coincidence, this was a, a strategic step. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Then the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way, go down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went and beheld a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship was returning and sitting in the chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit of the Lord said unto Philip, okay, go near and join thyself to thy chariot. Okay, let's put perspective on this. Okay, this was right here what we would call to as a strategic, a strategic step. Okay, everybody say a strategic step. This strategic, I almost feel like uh, <laughs> Tom Tom two, Tom Tom two, say that five times, you know. This strategic step was something that was divinely orchestrated. Okay, are you with me? It was divinely orchestrated. Okay, Philip had the Holy Ghost, just like you and I have the Holy Ghost. How many have the Holy Ghost tonight? Amen, amen, amen. How many need the Holy Ghost tonight? Raise your hand, it's all right. You need the Holy Ghost tonight, right? All right, you all that raise your hand that need the Holy Ghost tonight, do you want the Holy Ghost tonight? Amen, okay. Uh, you all, when we have altar call here in just a minute, I'm gonna open up the altars, we're gonna pray for you. Glory. And God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. Glory. Glory. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. This was a strategic step. Philip went down there, obeyed what the Lord said for him to do, got down there on location, and he stumbled up on somebody reading Isaiah's. Isn't that interesting there? He stumbled upon somebody reading the Word of God. And what did he say to him? How did he engage him? He didn't come straight out and say, do you have the Holy Ghost like you should have it? He, he didn't say, have you been baptized? He, he didn't say any of those things, but what did he do? He used a strategic approach. Oh, glory. I hope you write this down. He used a strategic approach that put him in favor with the person reading the Word of God. He used a, a strategic approach that put him in favor of the person, the man, reading the word of God. And here's what he said. Do you understand what you're reading? Implying that he might be able to help him with that. <laughs> he did not say that you're out of line. He did not say you should be reading something else. He said, do you understand what you're reading? I'm going deep right now. Y'all hang on. 
And please take notes. Please take notes, okay? In other words, he did not condemn where he should have been. He did not uh, uh, devalue what he was reading. He asked a simplistic question, do you understand what you're reading? And by doing so, by doing so, he put himself in favor of the person reading the word of God. Ooh, please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. This is a great strategic location, a, straight, a great strategic posture for every one of us tonight. Sometimes we encounter people that are living out their faith the best way they know how. Sometimes we encounter people that are just reading the best way that they can read. And the uh, 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 epistles, apostles, sometimes they're doing the very best of what they have. We can't humiliate them. We can't put them down. But we have to posture ourselves and put ourselves in favor with them so that we can help them go where God wants them to go. If you have the, the mind of revival. Revival doesn't have a country, doesn't have a color, but revival does have, a, everybody say, a mind. Come on, somebody. Can this mind dwell in you, which was also in Christ Jesus? Can that mind dwell in us? Can his purpose and his plan dwell in us? I'm going to blow you away with this definition in just a second. I'm going to wait till the very end. Okay? He gave me an hour, two hours. So uh, what, what, how many hours did you give me, Brother Wilson? <laughs> Don't be changing up on me now. <laughs> he says an hour, 55.9 minutes, right? <laughs> so so here, here it is now. He postured himself. He postured himself simply to fulfill to fulfill the will of God. And in doing so, and in doing so, okay, I want you to see this. He postured himself. His posture gave him favor with the man reading the word of God. He was able to expound on what the man of God was reading, what the seeker was reading. And in doing so, something had to be exchanged about Christ. Y'all missing it? Y'all missing it? Something had to be exchanged about Christ wherever he was reading. It's a book that I have access to, and I'm chopping at the bits to get my hands on it. And it says this. The book is entitled Preaching Christ from the Old Testament. I, I, I don't know how much of, of, of you listen to pastor. Pastor preaches Christ from every book in the Bible, but we don't have the privilege of reading what pastor's preaching. So I found this book on Amazon or somewhere I found it, and I'm, I'm chopping at the bits to get, get, get on to it because I want to have those revelations, that understanding. Because somewhere along the line, he started reading something, expounded to the Ethiopian what he was reading, and then somehow or another, it led to a connection with Christ. Watch me now, watch me now, to the point that whatever he was reading, whatever he was expounded on, whatever favor that God had given him established with the Ethiopian, when they arrived to a body of water, the Ethiopian said, wait a minute, stop right here. There's water right there. What does hinder me to be baptized? Sometimes we get into a weekly discussion like this, and sometimes we think discussing salvation is, is above us or beneath us. I don't, I don't know where we are right now, where we have postured ourselves in our mind. But don't you know, let me, let me repeat something I said over the weekend. You know, salvation is the number one need of all humanity. Let me just say that. You having a good marriage is under salvation. You having a great job is under salvation. You having a good home is under salvation. You driving a great car is under salvation. You having great kids is under salvation. Salvation is the number one need of all humanity. 
And if I could start at salvation, either from the Old Testament, either from Isaiah 53, 55, and begin to make a connection with somebody where they can see the promises of God manifested in their life or see God's or heaven's intent for them, for his presence to abide, I think that I could have accomplished something. Why? Because I understand that revival does not have a, a, a location. It doesn't have a country. It doesn't have a color, but it has a mind. Everybody say mind. Sometimes we deprive ourselves of walking in the authority of God because we're not thinking about having the impact that God desires for us to have. Who? I'm about to empower somebody right now. There are about 100 of us here tonight. 150, I don't know. I got glasses on. I'm not doing good with the calculation. There are a number of us here tonight, and the power of God is wanting to release you into this community, into your community, and in this city for this last day push just before we enter into eternity. Ooh, I could jump right now. Just before we enter into eternity, the Spirit of God is saying to us tonight that I am wanting to empower and release you to have the impact that I desire to have in this last day. How about Saha? Glory to God. Glory to God. But, but here it is. Brother Diaz said it when he was here. Brother Diaz said this. He said it from this pulpit. He, and this is what words he said. He says we have to have a vision for eternity. Y'all remember when he made that statement? We have to have a vision for eternity. So if I have a vision for eternity, if I have the mind of revival, if the mind of Christ dwells in me, that means this right here. God can strategically use me anywhere, anytime, and at any location for his glory. Anywhere, anytime, and at any location for his glory. Anywhere and anytime, any location for his glory. God can do that if I have everybody say the mind to. It is something very intentional. It's something that the Lord desires. So it is a, everybody say it is a strategic encounter. The Bible tells us in John chapter, chapter 10, he says this. John chapter 10, verse 27. Somebody get that? And I need a reader, real loud reader. I need somebody to volunteer. Y'all sitting at me looking and ain't nobody got the Bibles open. Uh-huh, I caught you. <laughs> Amen. Give me a reader. How blessed man, yo? Glory adios. Give me a reader, real loud reader. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. Go ahead, my brother. Somebody clap your hands on that right there. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know who he is. I'm glad I know who he is. But he said this right here, my sheep know my voice. Another I will not follow. Let's talk about strategic location. And I'm doing everything in my power not to walk right now. Because somebody's about to receive the Holy Ghost. And I want to stay, stay right here. And I'm going to give counsel on receiving the Holy Ghost. And then God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. You all that are desiring. Let faith speak. Let faith speak. Come on, let's, let faith speak. Come on, everyone, everyone sister, everybody be praying faith right now. Let faith speak, let faith speak. It's about to happen. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Don't want to embarrass anybody. But God's going to honor your faith here tonight, okay? I was, I, was, um, I was out of town, out of Cincinnati. I was in, uh, I was in Dayton. <clears throat> and somebody had invited us to game night. Just where the family got together to play games, you know. 
Monopoly, you know, Uno, you know. I'm, I'm serious. It, it was game night, and this, this is what did, you know. Many believers, some were not believers. It was a family. We were invited to go and, and hang out with them. And let me tell you something. I let my hair down as, as little as it, it, as little of it as is, you know. Uh, every wave was intact. It was right where it needed to be, right? But we had such a great time. We had such a great time, you know. Uh, one of the sisters that was at this location sat down, and we're, we're just beginning things, and began to talk to us, uh, talk to me and another lady sitting at the table about some negative things that she experienced in the church, you know. And, and, and you know, sometimes, to be quite honest with you, you know, that, that's, it's uncomfortable for me, but, but sometimes we need to know the voice of somebody that's, that's wanting direction. Hello, everybody. We need to know the voice of somebody that's, that's wanting direction. So I, 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 let, it, I let her talk as, 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 as much as, as she wanted to share, and I began to dialogue, but, but then the, something kicked in. You know, so, something kicked in, and, and, and I, said these, I said these words to her. I said, sis, I said, God's not finished with you. You're still on your journey. God's not finished with you. You're still on your journey. I said, sometimes, you know, we limit our experiences to God to our denominational experiences. We limit the power and the expectation of God to our denominational experiences. Y'all act like y'all afraid to say denomination. Oh, it, it is the truth. I, I, I grew up Arabic, in a sense. I used to worship an Islamic mosque in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, I shared that with you before. Grew up in the Church of God in Christ, and my father left that. My mother took us out of that. So I have a whole lot of denomination and other religions lined up in me. I can even speak Spanish. Habla Espanol. Can you? <laughs> poquito, poquito. Don't ask me anything else. So there was a whole lot of denominational expectation tied to my experiences. So I began to share this with her. I began to share this with her. And I said, sis, I said, listen, I said, you know, uh, I wasn't going to come to this event because my wife didn't want to come. My daughter's with me. My wife didn't want to come. She worked all week long. This is on a Friday. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, your wife is tired. You know, don't be, men, don't be trying to force your wife to go everywhere. You're excited about going. Come on, baby, let's go fishing. It's Friday night. Baby, I don't work all week long. You go fishing by yourself. In <laughs> fact, put a fishing rod in, in the fish tank and we can go together. Don't act like you have never thought it. Don't act like you've never thought it. Because you have. I'm going to tell on you. I know you have. And I said to her, I said, this was no coincidence that, that we're here. This is divine providence. And I said, sis, I said, God wants you to know that you are his sheep. And there's some things I'm going to share with you right now that God wants you to know, but are you, are you humble enough to receive it? There's some things that I'm speaking to you right now. There's some things that I'm sharing with you right now, but are you humble enough to receive it? Or, or, or in your mind, have you so much have relegated everything pertaining to evangelism as you know and experience that you've discounted the voice of God that's speaking to you right now? I didn't say my voice. I said the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. That's exactly what I said. Have you relegated God's power to your understanding or to your dimension of faith? Who? Ah, glory. Have you relegated God's power to your denominational experiences or teachings? 
Or have you relegated God's, God's power to what you are not seeing in your community? Let faith speak right now. For just a moment, let, speak, let faith speak right now. Come on, in every community, let faith speak right now. Come on, every believer that's sitting here right now, let faith speak right now. Speak to the stronghold in your community right now. I dare you. I dare you. Speak right now. Come on, to the vice in your community right now. Come on, I dare you. I dare you. Speak to it right now. Come on, speak to it. You're looking at me. You're doing too much looking, and your mouth is not open. Come on, begin to declare the freedom and the liberty and the power of God in your community right now. Maybe some of you need to speak to your family right now. Come on, speak deliverance to your family right now. Come on, speak victory in your family. Now. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus, you're looking at me and nobody opening their mouth speaking right now. Open up your mouth and begin to declare it in the name of Jesus. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Open your mouth and begin to declare it right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, open your mouth and declare it in the name of Jesus. Come on, that one that right now is addicted to drugs, they're coming out in the name of Jesus. That one that's addicted to crack, they're coming out in the name of Jesus. That one that's addicted to alcohol, they're coming out in the name of Jesus. Speak to it right now, Father. We bind up the spirit of addiction. We bind up, Father, in the name of Jesus. Everything connected to the Colbert family. Everything connected to the Hampton or to the James family or to the Cole family. I'll call out my generations. I'll call out my aunties and my uncles. I'll call out their loved ones. I'll call out their sons and their daughters in the name of Jesus. Speak to it right now. Speak to it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to lose your faith. Come on, to meet the expectation of God. You've got to loose your faith to meet the expectation of God. Amen. Glory to your name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Jesus. Come on, there's a deliverance God is designed to bring forth in our families, in our lives, in our community. Let your faith speak to it right now. Let your faith speak to it right now. Huh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. And I, I know you know this, but let me speak to it right now. Your experiences will teach you to trust God. Your experiences will teach you to trust God. How do I know that? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? Hearing by the word of God. Now, it means this right here. Whew, I got to walk for just a second. Please forgive me. Okay? That means this right here. Everything God said in his book right here, guess what? That's a promise to me. Ha! If I didn't have these replacement Air Force needs right now, I'd run like you, Brother Jamie. Everything that God has in his book right here is a promise to me right now. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. If the Bible tells us that he will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is set on thee, don't you know in order to access perfect peace, my mind has got to be upon the word of God? Don't you know if I meditate upon this word day and night that peace is going to abide in my house because it's in his word? Glory to God. Don't you know if God said that he will heal us, 
and these signs shall follow them that believe. And by name shall they cast out devils. Shall they speak? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Don't you know there's some of us that are standing here today because God manifested his word and promise in our life, and we didn't even realize that we was on death's doorstep, but God manifests his promise in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say it's real. Oh, absolutely. Somebody shout it's real. His promises are real. Everything that he said, God is immutable, the Bible tells us. That means that God cannot back up. Whatever thing that he said, it's going to come to pass. God can't lie. He is not the son of man. God's not going to repent. Everything he's declared in his word, it's going to happen in our lives. Ha. Hallelujah. But we've got to believe it. It's a mind. It's an expectation. It's a belief. It's a posture. Some time ago, some time ago, I was in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, and if you all heard this testimony before, just act like you didn't, you, you heard it for the first time, if you heard it before. I was in Manchester, New Hampshire, and uh, brother, uh, brother Moore, brother Gary, uh, I'm a civilian now, you know, uh, we're civilians now, but the expectation of standing before uh, generals, two-star generals, and uh, one-star generals, colonels, and sergeant majors, my brother. Uh, you know, it, it, some things don't go too far from you, if you know what I mean. So I'm all the way up there in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I have to do this presentation to a two-star general, one-star general, full-bird colonel, and a sergeant major. And, I, you know, I got a little Holy Ghost boldness in me, you know. But a lot of my military days, like, you know, you want to make sure you say this thing right. You want to make sure you look right, you know. So I had been up there like for three weeks, something like that, and I needed a haircut. Yeah, I, I got to tell you something about, now this is my, my kryptonite, okay, and I'm going to let you know what my kryptonite is. <laughs> my kryptonite is this right here. For you all that have been in a home Bible study training with me, y'all know this is my kryptonite, right? I love telling stories, right? <laughs> One sister said to me, Brother Cobra, we love your, your training, but man, you got so many stories, you know? Like, just cut it off, you know, just give us a meeting, keep the bone, you know. Uh, so I'm going to give you a little bit of this story, okay. Uh, and Mildred, if you're watching and listening, I hope, you pray, hope you're praying for me, right. But I'm all the way up there in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I needed a haircut, you know. I, I kind of look like, you know, the old WWE wrestlers, you know, the Bushwhackers, how their hair was all crazy, you know. Uh, maybe, y'all too young to remember the Bushwhackers. I'm, I'm dating myself, I'm dating myself. But I needed a haircut. I needed a haircut bad, you know. The waves weren't where they needed to be. So I, I, I go to a barber. I get in the Yellow Pages. Here I am, New, Manchester, New Hampshire, African-American. I get in the Yellow Pages trying to find a barbershop. Lord, help them in the name of Jesus. So I, I got in touch with, with one barbershop. I said, hey, do y'all cut African-American hair? Literally. The guy said, well, we, we had one of them men here a couple, couple years ago, but it's been that long. I said, well, you ain't got to worry about seeing me today, you know. <laughs> no exaggeration, Lamar, no exaggeration. Called another barbershop, and they said, well, you know, uh, we have a lady here that can cut your hair. Now, you know, let me tell you something. It's something about brothers, you know, men. You know, if another brother going to come out here, there's something we trust about that connection. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you ever seen Brother Jamie with a bad haircut. Never. I don't know who your barber is, brother, but he hooking you up. 
I want you to know that right now. In fact, if I'm ever in need, give me his number, okay? Because he has you right. I want you to know every week I see you, you you're on point, bro. Come on, let's give him a hand praise. Amen. <laughs> I've never seen him with a bad haircut. I admire that, you know? I'll come in sometime, man. My do-rag's so tight, you know, you see travel lines all around my head. Do. I just, you know, I'm trying to hide, hide what I didn't get during the week. Well, I'm all the way up there trying to, trying to find a barber, and the lady said, well, you know, but there's a barber shop down the street from you, from us, and uh, it's some young guys in there across from, across from the University of New Hampshire, how uh, they can cut your hair, right? So me and a co-worker of mine, we were doing contract, we used to work uh, contract for the government. We go to this barber shop. <clears throat> he's, you know, Caucasian guy, and he's just as tall as I am. We literally walk in the barbershop. Maybe you've experienced this before. I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, it happened to me. It was like, you know, you go in, you know, they show this in the movie sometimes, somebody unexpected step in a place, and the music stops, baby stop crying, everybody look at you. That is no exaggeration. And, and come to find out later, they thought we were DEA agents. That, that's, that's telling you how bad this area was, okay? That's how bad this area was. But I needed a haircut. I'm about to present to these generals. You know, Sergeant Major, I needed a haircut. I, I didn't care. You know, I'm big enough. Maybe they, maybe they won't shoot me. Maybe they won't pull a gun. Maybe they say, oh, he's too big. If I miss, he's going to get me good. You know, I don't know. That's, I'm, that's how bad this area was, for real. So, so the guy sits down. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting there like 45 minutes. Guys are coming in and out of the barbershop. And finally, a guy comes back in the barbershop, takes his coat off, and he says, would you like me to cut your hair? I got, like, major attitude. I mean, I got to pray, too, like, right now, because I'm about to let something loose on this dude right here, you know, because he walked out, came back in the barbershop, took his coat off, and then asked me if I wanted a haircut. You know? Oh, my. I, I'm still feeling that right now. You know, it's just, it, 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 it bothered me. I'm letting you know right now, it bothered me. It bothered me a lot. It bothered me a lot. And I sat, then I sat down in the guy's chair, and we started talking. And just like every other word is four letters, you know, like four letters. Four. I'm like, man, did you graduate from elementary? Your vocabulary no larger than that, you know? You, you follow what I'm saying? You know, sometimes you just, it just bothers you. It bothers your spirit, you know? And, you know, I'm not holier than thou or anything. You know, I, I, I can interact with you, you know? But I ain't going to let you cut my hair and just bombard my spirit with all this bad language, you know, in conversation. So I said, I said hey, man, what you do for a living? What did you do before you start cutting, cutting hair? He said, oh, man, I was in the army. I said, really? I said, where's some of the places you've been stationed at? He said, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I said, really? I said, I was stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I said, I said, did you go to church there? He said, yeah. He said, A-Lock. I said, hold on. I said, Abundant Life Outreach Center? He said, yeah. I said, hold on. I said, Pastor Ellis's church? He said, yeah. I said, hold on. I had Pastor Ellis on speed dial. Mildred is number one. Pastor Ellis is number two. I speed dial Pastor Ellis. I said, Pastor Ellis, you'll never guess who's cutting my hair right now. Come to find out, right? I'm living in Ohio. My origin and discipleship is in Clarksville, Tennessee. I'm all the way up there in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I run into a backslider from the church I grew up in. Maybe y'all missing that. I live here in Ohio. My discipleship roots were in Clarksville, Tennessee. I'm all the way up there in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I run into a backslider from the church I grew up in. Hey, Boshaha. Didn't even know the brother. Didn't even know the brother. I said, man, I said, I said, bro, God has more for you. I said, God has more for you. And I said, I want you to know this here, you know. And I, I said, go ahead. You know, we finished cutting my hair, finished cutting my hair. We talked. Then we went outside. I didn't have a pen or card on me or anything like that. So we went outside where they already think we DA agents. 
I popped up, the, pop, opened my trunk. I'm reaching in my trunk. He's standing beside me. Another guy's over here right there. And I'm reaching in my trunk in a community that already thought that we were DEA agents. It wasn't a good picture. It just didn't look right. Y'all seen those movies, you know, Miami Vice and things like that? It, it just didn't look right. So I, get, I didn't have anything to write my number on. So I gave him my, my number, found a car, gave him my number. And I said, listen, I said, let me take you out to eat, you know? And uh, I took him out to eat. And, and I'm going to put some of my, uh, some of our Tree of Life home Bible study teachers have gone through the certification course. I'm going to put some of those teachers on the spot. I'm not going to call you by name. I'm just walking over here. Don't mean I'm going to call your name. But if I get close to you, I hope you have the answer. <laughs> what we teach in the home Bible study certification course is this here. If you need people, you can't lead people. If you need people, you can't lead people. So if every time you go to teach somebody a Bible study, you ask them for $5 or $10 for gas, you're going to be very ineffective. If you need people, you can't lead people. It's one of the principles that we teach in home Bible study training. That's why come September, I ought to see a whole lot of people attend that home Bible study training come September. Because if you need people, you can't lead people. So I told him, I said, I want to take you out to dinner, you know. And he wasn't about to go to Lobster, Red Lobster. I wasn't going to take him to Burger King. I wasn't. He wasn't going to Wendy's. We went to my favorite restaurant on the planet, Famous Dave's. Famous Dave's. They had a Famous Dave's all the way up there in Manchester, New Hampshire, four miles from my hotel. I think I gained like eight pounds while I was up there, and it felt good. So I took him to Famous Dave's. We sat down. We ordered. I did indeed pay for it. But before the meal came, actually when the meat and food arrived, we started talking. I said, man, I said, let me ask something. I said, I don't know why you are where you are right now in your spiritual condition. He just dropped his head. And I said, I want you to know right now, God can renew you right here, right now. Because revival does not have a country. Revival does not have a location. Revival does not have a color. Revival does not know ethnicity, but revival does have a mind. It does have a mind. If this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, can also dwell in us. If that mind, if that mind, if that mind, we can be in a restaurant, God can fill you. We can be in a laundromat, God can fill you. We can be in a parking lot, God can fill you. Come on, somebody. No matter where we are, if we have the mind, if we have that expectation of God, if we believe that the Lord can do anything exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can, we can ask or think, there's no location where God cannot manifest his power. There's no location where it cannot happen. I said to him, I said, brother, I said, if you would begin repent right now, I said some other things, but I'm, 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 I'm going straight to the point. I'm giving you the meat, I'm keeping the bones. I said, brother, if you repent right now, God will renew you here right now. We begin to repent together. Take my hand, brother. We begin to repent today, Father, in the name of Jesus. I'm giving counsel right now for everybody who wants the Holy Ghost. I want you to begin to repent right now. Everybody in here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sins, Father. Everybody in here, God, there are things that I thought in my mind, Father, that were wrong. There are things, Lord God, that I felt in my heart and wanted to do in my heart, but were wrong, Father. There are ways I behave, Father, the things that I said, Father, that were wrong, God. I'm asking you now, Lord, to forgive me, Father.
Forgive me, Lord God, of the way I behave, Father. Forgive me, Lord God, of the way that I've acted, Father. Forgive me, Lord God, of the way I've mistreated people, Father. Forgive me, Lord God, of the things I've taken, Father, that did not belong to me, Father. Forgive me, O oh God, for the manipulation, Father, that was in my heart, Father, that I didn't act against others, Father. Father, forgive me. In the, come on, everybody in here, repent right now. Hear the name of Jesus. Somebody needs to repent right now because we've lived that way. Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us, 1 John 1 and 9, if I confess my faults, confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28 says, if I cover my sins, I shall not prosper. But if I confess and I forsake my sins, I shall obtain mercy. God, I need your mercy. I need, Father, your liberating power, Lord God. Hallelujah, because I'm sorry, Lord God, for the way I behaved. I'm sorry, Lord God, for violating the true principles of your word, God. I did not live like I knew you, Lord God. I did not live like I was raised in your word, raised in the church, Father. I did not live my life that way. God, I'm asking now in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me. God, I'm asking now in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me. As we repented, as we prayed, not quite that loud, not even close, but I looked up and I noticed that tears were falling down his face. Tears were falling on the table. And I said, brother, I didn't care where we were at that moment. God was in that place. I said, brother, if you lift your hands right now, God will begin to renew you right now. He lifted his hands right there in that booth where we were sitting in Famous A's restaurant in Manchester, New Hampshire, and he began to speak with other tongues that the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. Revival doesn't have a location. Revival doesn't have a country. Revival doesn't have an ethnicity. But revival does have a mind. Hey, Baha, can you believe God? Can you believe God? Can you believe God? I'm animated right now, and I know it. And I make no apologies for it. I am where I am right now because of the presence of the Lord that's here right now. But I want you to know right now that God's going to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost if you believe him for it. If you believe him for it. It's just that simple. Because your faith right now is at an all-time high right now. And I'm going to tell you why. Jesus said this in his word, and I want you to turn it really quick in John chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 3. This is what he said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him at an inconvenient time. Nicodemus arrived on location at night, the Bible tells us. Nicodemus didn't want his friends, his cohorts, or anybody else see him talking to the Lord. But Nicodemus knew that there was something about God, that, about the Lord, that only he could receive from the Lord. Nicodemus knew there was something about the Lord that only he could receive from the Lord. And he said to the Lord this, Rabbi, we know that other teacher that come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus turned around and looked at him, heard the words of flattery, heard everything he said, and then turned around and told him something that he needed to have himself. I know that you're a religious man. I know that you're, you're a scholar. I know that you're a teacher. I know that you're a Pharisee. But I want you to know something, that except you are born again, Hallelujah. Please don't miss me. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. I know that you're educated. I know that you have wealth. I know that you have credence and, and a reputation in our community. I know that. I know that, that people come to you for answers. People, people have questions of you. I, I, I know that you're very, you're very astute about your business. I, I, I know that about you. But unless you are born again, this is what Jesus said. You can't see the kingdom of God. 
Please hear me. Please hear me. That word see there is a Greek word which means this. That's defined as this. You won't be able to perceive or to understand what it takes to enter into the kingdom. What, what are you telling me, brother? What are you telling me, brother Colbert? This is what I'm telling you. You go to church all your life. Until you're born again, you won't understand about one thing about entering into the kingdom. You can be tied up in any denomination you want to be tied up to. Unless you're born again, you won't understand one thing about your relationship with God. Oh, hear me, somebody. I didn't say it. He said it in his word. Jesus said, Nicodemus said this, how can a man be born when he's old? How, how can he enter, time, enter the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus is like in spirit, I told you you won't be able to understand this. I told you you're not going to comprehend this until you are born again. Then he gave us great clarity. You know why he gave us great clarity? This was a scholar. This was a teacher. This was somebody that needed to have the mind of revival. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said this to him. He says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born of the water and spirit. Watch this. Watch this. Cannot water and spirit. He cannot water and spirit. There's some of us here have already been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. The blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives, and I thank God for it. I thank God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I thank God for it. I thank God for it. But you're still sticking out the womb. You got to receive the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. Glory. Glory. Don't settle. Don't settle for the limited for the limitation of your human experience. Don't settle for the limitations of your human experience. You've got to be born again of water. You've got to be born again of water. You've got to be born again of water. Mark chapter 16, turn it with me real quick. During the Great Commission, the Lord said this. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be. He that believeth not shall be. And these signs, I want you to read it like I read it. These signs shall follow only the Pentecostals, only the Baptists, only the Methodists, only the Charismatic. These signs shall follow only the Presbyterian, only the Lutheran. Come on, only those church attending people. These signs shall follow those that what? Those that believe. How many believers we have in the house of God tonight? That's why all of us are. All of us are. So let me tell you something. Jesus said that if you're a believer, these signs are going to follow you. I didn't say it. He said it. Now, if you have a mind of revival and you desire to have the promises of God manifested in your life, you're about to receive the Holy Ghost right now. You're about to receive the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. I want us to stand to our feet right now. I didn't even finish the lesson, but it's okay. It's okay. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask this because I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. I want all my sisters, 
that are intercessors, that know the power of prayer, I want you to come on this side of the altar right now, on this side of the church. Come on, make your way down here right now. I'm going to teach you why you're here right now. Make your way down here right now. This is the same apprehension that we have sometimes on Sunday when we have altar call, when we're trying to minister to women and, and those that are at the altar. Come on, come on, all my sisters, all my sisters, all my sisters. Come on now, we're not going to put anybody in the spot because this sister's about to come down and God's about to fill her with the Holy Ghost right now. Just, just, just face, face, face the baptismal, right? That's fine right there. That's fine right there. Amen. 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 Come on, come on, all my sisters. All my sisters that are intercessors, all my sisters that trust God. Amen. Amen. If you want the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down right, right now. If you're a sister, I want you to come down here right now and join these sisters. We're about to pray. God's about to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on. If you believe God, come on down here right now. We're about to pray and God's about to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on. I see you. I see you at the corner of my eye. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, my, come on, my sister. Come on, my sister. Amen. Come on, my sister. Amen. 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 God's about to do this right now. Glory to God. I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. If you're a brother, if you're a brother, and you know the power of prayer, I want you to come down here to the side of the altar right now. Every brother in this house right now. Every brother in this house right now. Every Holy Ghost filled man of God in this house right now. I want you to come down here right now. Stop hesitating. Stop hesitating. Stop hesitating. Revival mind has an expectation. You see it on Sundays. You see it on Sundays. Hey, come on. Can, can I just share with you right now? Allow me to share with you right now because we see it on Sundays. Allow me to share with you right now. I'm being kind, I'm being considerate, I'm being loving, okay? Revival has a mind that, that does not wait. Come on, it does not delay. God may use me to lay hands on somebody. God may use me to lay hands on somebody. Come on, revival doesn't hesitate. Revival doesn't delay. Revival has a mind. One second, my brother. Elder, one second before you go there in song. One second, Elder. Amen. If you're a brother and you're here right now, you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want you to posture yourself right here in the middle of these men and women, these men of God right here. Amen. I saw somebody's hand go up right now. My memory's slipping me. But if you're a brother, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just slip your hands right now. Everybody head bow. Everybody head bow. You need the Holy Ghost, slip your hands right now. Just lift your hands right now. You need the Holy Ghost, lift your hands right now. Come on, there was somebody else. 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 Amen. Amen. Lavars, you don't have the Holy Ghost yet? God's about to fill you tonight, my brother. You know about Shatahaya. Brother, you have the Holy Ghost? Okay. God's about to fill you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help me out, sisters. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You know about Hallelujah. Help me out. Step in there. Step in there. Thank you, Jesus. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. that expressive. Everyone is not that expressive. I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me. I want everybody to listen to me right now. When you lift your hands, we've already repented. You've already repented. Faith is in us right now. Faith is in us right now for what God's about to do. Hear me, Lavars. Hear me, little brother, praying with him. Faith is in us right now for what God is about to do. Okay, for what God is about to do. And I want you to hear me. Look up at me if you can. Look up at me if you can. As you begin to worship, as you begin to worship, hallelujah is the highest praise that you can offer unto God. Hallelujah. As you begin to worship, you're going to feel yourself wanting to say something other than hallelujah. You're going to, you're going to feel that. You're going to feel that. When those words come to you, 
Don't worry about what they sound like. Just speak them out. Just speak them out. I don't want you to listen to anybody else around. In fact, I want everybody just worshiping. I don't want anybody speaking in tongues but those that are seeking the Holy Ghost when God falls on them. I want everyone here worshiping in English. Letting God hear your adoration. Letting God hear your praise in English. In English. I don't want anybody speaking in tongues around these young men, around these brothers right here. I want you just worshiping. I want you just worshiping. Right now, everybody lift your voice and begin to worship. Worship, just begin to worship. There's a song in you right now. There's a praise in you right now. God, we give you glory. God, we give you praise. God, we exalt your name. God, we worship you. God, we magnify you. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise, oh God. We magnify your name. Come on. We magnify your name, Lord Jesus. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your mercy. Hallelujah. We will praise you, God. We will sing songs unto you. Hallelujah. Now, this is what I want you to do. If you're holding hands, don't let them hold hands. I want you to raise both your hands and just begin to worship. Hallelujah. Just raise, yeah, yeah, there it is right there. Just begin to worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Come on, just begin to worship. Just begin to worship. Break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Cause there is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, it's a mind, it's a mind, it's a mind. It's a mind, I believe. Come on, somebody needs a renewing right now. There's power in you, Lord. There's power in you.